Well, good morning again. Good morning again, and uh, we kind of have a tradition here at Calvary Chapel on Easter Sunday, so I'm going to have you all stand, if you would, again one more time. This is a good tradition. I enjoy it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, He is risen. Your response is, He is risen indeed. Got it? So we want the neighbors in the neighborhood to hear it. So... uh, in case we're wondering why all these people are parked here. And, and so, so let's give it a shot. He is risen. He is risen One more time. He is risen. He is, he is risen indeed. indeed. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can have a seat. And that's why we're here this morning. To celebrate our Savior's victory over death and the grave. The, the one man who claimed that he could give people everlasting life was killed. But then he rose from the dead, changing the world forever. Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. We're going to look at the first 12 verses. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and uh, George or Richard will bring one right to your seat. You can follow along with us. Luke 24, verses 1 through 12. I still hear pages turning. That's... It's a good sound to a pastor's ears. <laughs> Luke 24, starting in verse 1, we read, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when you were still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again? And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb, and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. The title of my message this morning is, God has something for you this Easter. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for just the sweet time of worship we've had and just singing praises to you. And Lord, you are worthy of all our praise. We thank you, Lord, for this time of being able to get into your word, knowing, Holy Spirit, that you are here to speak to our hearts, to teach us, to instruct us, to remind us of what you've said in your word, Lord, that we have hope because you're not a dead Savior, you're a living Savior who came to this earth to save us from our sin. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that is joining us or anyone watching online, they're not born again today, they don't know what it means to have their sin forgiven and that guilt taken away. Lord, would you especially touch their hearts today. Give them ears to hear your spirit drawing them to yourself. 
We pray that they would be born again today. Lord, we just ask your, your ministering spirit on us this, e- this morning, Lord, and that uh, you'd bless our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I read a story about a politician who woke up after having an operation and found that the curtains in his room had been drawn shut. Why are the curtains shut, he asked the nurse. Is it nighttime already? No, the nurse replied, but there's a fire across the street and we didn't want you to wake and think the operation was unsuccessful. (laughs) The good news is that because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we don't have to be afraid of an unsuccessful operation. In fact, we don't have to fear death at all because Christ died and rose again and we know for us as believers there is life beyond the grave. Now, if that was all that the resurrection did for us, it would be worth it. I mean, if all that Christianity offered to us was life beyond the grave, don't you think it would be worth it to be a Christian? I certainly do. And, and, and especially as you move further on in years, you become more and more appreciative of this great promise because sooner or later, we're all going to move on to the other side. It's going to happen someday. It's the story of a preacher one Sunday who was trying to impress upon the people the importance of faith he says, all you people of this congregation, he cried from the pulpit, one day you're going to die. Do you hear me? All of you people of this congregation, one day you're going to die. One little man sitting in the front row started to laugh. So the preacher says, what's so funny? The man answered, I don't belong to this congregation. <laughs> Listen, it really doesn't matter what congregation you belong to. It doesn't matter how strong you are, how much you work out, how beautiful you might think you are presently. The fact of the matter is, you are on your way to the grave. We are all on our way to eternity. Now, depending on whether you know Christ or not, will determine where you will spend eternity. That's why I titled my message this morning, God has something for you this Easter. Because if you don't know Christ today, God offers you salvation. If you do know Christ, God offers you more than salvation. He offers you hope. If you don't know Christ today, God offers you forgiveness of sin. If you do know Christ today, God offers you not only hope, but grace and peace, all because Jesus rose from the grave. Now, when it comes to explaining the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, some people have cooked up some pretty crazy explanations, as if it was all done with with tricks and and sleight of hand. Reminds me of one more story of a kind of a grungy-looking guy who walks into this restaurant and orders food. The waiter says, no way, I don't think you can pay for it. The guy says, you're right, I don't have any money, but if I show you something you've never seen before, will you give me some food? You got yourself a deal, said the waiter. The guy reaches into his coat pocket, pulls out a rabbit, and he puts the rabbit on the counter, and it hops to the end of the counter, across the room, up onto the piano, jumps onto the keyboard, and starts playing Gershwin songs from Broadway. And the rabbit is really, really good. True story. And then, no, no, it's not a true story. The, the, the waiter says, you're right. I've never seen anything like this before. The rabbit is truly a really good piano player. The guy downs a hamburger he orders and asks the waiter for some french fries. The waiter says, first, <laughs> money or another miracle. So the guy reaches into his coat again, pulls out a frog, puts a frog on the counter, and the frog starts to sing. Has a marvelous voice right on pitch, fine singer. Well, a stranger from the other side of the counter runs over to the guy and says, I'll give you $300 for that frog. The guy says, it's a deal. He takes the $300 and gives the stranger the frog. The stranger runs out of the restaurant. The waiter says to the guy, are you crazy? 
You sold a singing frog for only $300. It must have been worth millions. Not so, said the guy. The rabbit's also a ventriloquist. Listen, it was no trick that Jesus performed to make people think he rose from the dead. John records for us that the experienced Roman executioners had certified that Jesus was indeed dead. Matthew records that after Jesus was buried that a large stone was rolled over the door of the tomb. Engineers have estimated that the weight of a stone like that would be between one and two tons. A stone doorway they would put there to keep the animals from disturbing your dead loved one's body. Matthew records that the Jewish leaders demanded that Pilate put a Roman seal on the tomb and station Roman guards in front of the tomb to keep anyone from stealing the body. These precautions would keep anyone from even thinking about stealing the body. And then there's the fact that the tomb was carved out of solid rock. Now, back to those wild ideas people have about the resurrection. Some have suggested that there was an escape hatch out in the back and that the disciples might have stolen the body. Uh, Yeah, we've seen that the tomb was carved out of solid stone. Some suggest that Jesus wasn't really dead, but that he was revived in the coolness of the tomb and simply walked away. Yet the executioners confirmed that Jesus was dead. Jesus had not only died, but he had been savagely scourged as well. And now he moves this one-ton stone and overpowers a Roman guard? I think not. There were no tricks. There was no ventriloquist rabbits. Jesus was dead. He was buried, and he truly rose again three days later. And because of that, we can rejoice today as believers. It's a day to be reminded of what Jesus has done for us and to remember who Jesus is and rejoice in what he's done for us. And those are our three points we're going to look at. If you're a note-taker today, we're going to be reminded, number one, Remember number two, rejoice number three. First, to be reminded. You know, we often need to be reminded in order to remember. Years ago, and you, you remember this, people would tie a string on their finger. You know, What's that string for? Oh, yeah, that reminds me of I need to do this. And, and nowadays, you know, we have our cell phones. You know, you set a reminder and, okay, uh, you know, it beeps an hour before, then a, the beep gets louder 15 minutes before, and it's just reminding you of an appointment. Today, folks, our reminder is going off. We need to be reminded of the resurrection. Not that we ever forget it as a true historical event, but we can forget the power it has to affect our lives. There are other religions that have strong ethical systems and different concepts about life and the afterlife, and they claim various holy writings. Only Christianity has God who became a man, literally died for his people, and was raised bodily in power and glory. That's why I like to say that that Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with a living person. Now, there are those who say, well, you know, the resurrection is not that important of a doctrine. Listen, if you don't believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, I would really have to question if you're a true believer or not. It's that important. It's foundational. It's bedrock. Many other things rest on this. In fact, listen to the Apostle Paul and what he said in 1 Corinthians 15, 13 through 19. He says, But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. 
For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. See, Paul makes the point about how foundational it is that we truly believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Now let me remind you uh, this morning of three things that the resurrection means for us. First, Jesus rising from the dead assures us as Christians that we will live beyond the grave. Because Jesus died and rose again, we shall be raised like him. Because Paul goes on to say in that same section of scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, 20-22, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. What that verse means when we read that he is the first fruit, it means that Jesus is the first among many that will rise from the dead. He is God before us. He has paved the way. And because he overcame death, he promises that we will overcome death as well. 1 Thessalonians 4.14 tells us, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Isn't that an interesting phrase that the Bible uses for death in the life of a believer? Falling asleep. Now, it really depends upon your age how you look at falling asleep. You know, when you're a child, you really don't, you know, like to sleep. You fight sleep. But as you get older, sleep is very appealing. (laughs) And the idea of taking a nap in the middle of the day is a great luxury. Not something you dread, it's something you enjoy. I'm looking forward to it with great anticipation this afternoon, taking a nice long nap. Maybe you're about ready to fall asleep right now. Just stay with me. You You can do this. But it's interesting that the Bible compares death to sleep. In the same way, it's not something we resist. Rather, we realize it's going to be a time of rest. And that's how the Bible speaks of what death will be like. Now, if you're young and you're healthy, this is an okay promise, but it doesn't have any particular relevance for your life, at least at this moment. But if you have a a terminal illness or you have more of your life behind you than you do in front of you, the promise becomes more and more precious to you every single day. I recently watched, my wife and I watched this YouTube video, a documentary, as they traveled to five different Midwest states and they visited these cemeteries in those states and they would point out the famous people that were buried in each one of these these, uh, uh, cemeteries. And the one thing I know, it doesn't matter how famous you were, how well-known you were, how unknown you were, everyone is on equal ground there in that cemetery. And the odds haven't changed. We know this. One out of every one person dies. I turned off the program after about a dozen or so of the people they were showing all died in their early 60s. I said, enough of that. I'm not watching that anymore. But here's my point. We have hope beyond the grave. We will live again because Jesus rose from the dead. Second thing that the resurrection means to us is the guarantee that there will be a future judgment. Listen to Acts chapter 17, verse 31. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. This reminds us, among other things, that God's justice will ultimately prevail. You know, we've all seen the wrong done in our society. We've seen the wrong committed by someone against someone else. And, but it's all going to come out at the judgment seat. No one's going to get away with anything. 
Hebrews 9.27 says, And it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. And on that day, it will not matter how popular you were, the richest possessions you had, it will be meaningless. Your opinion, your culture, your race, your religion will not matter. The only thing that will matter is if you had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So the resurrection means that there will be a future judgment. Third thing that the resurrection means to us is that we have power to live the Christian life. Listen to Romans chapter 8, verse 11. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. In other words, God will give you life beyond the grave, but, but He will also give you power to live the Christian life right here and now on this earth. Let's now look at our text and the first one to realize this, that Jesus is risen from the dead. Look now at verses 1 through 3 of Luke 24. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now understand, these ladies left early in the morning, you know, going, expecting to find Jesus' body. They did not expect it not to be there. Last time they saw Jesus, he was dead. Now all they had left to do was to wrap the body with spices, and they wanted to do it right. Now the other Gospels were told that they were wondering how they were going to move the stone out of the way. Well, the first problem was solved. We read in verse 2 that when they got there, the stone uh, had already been rolled away. Now, we understand that the, the stone wasn't rolled away so Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so they can go in and see that he was no, no, longer, no longer there. Because Jesus said he would rise from the dead. Now, again, the women blessed their hearts, went out of love, but had no plan for getting inside the tomb. They did not expect the stone to be rolled away. They did expect to find the body of Jesus. Now, let me say this. You'd be surprised at the influence of your expectations See, the Lord promised that he, that he would be spiritually and powerfully present whenever His church gathers together on this earth. Yet I think we can come and go and, and never have the sense of His presence because we're not really expecting it. Listen, expect Jesus to move and to work in our lives this morning, and He will. Expect Jesus to be in this place because He is. He said in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So let's take the Lord at His word and believe He is spiritually present with the power to heal and to help and to encourage our hearts this morning. Expect that He will save and forgive those who come to Him by faith. So they, verse 2, found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Verse 3 and 4, Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this. I mean, they were confused. They didn't know what was going on. They, they knew the body had been there. Now it's gone. Verse 4 continues. And as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Now, these weren't rhinestone cowboys. They weren't, uh, you know, guys with snazzy outfits on. These, these were angels, we know. And then in verse 5, then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead. What an outstanding question. These angels, they weren't upset with these ladies. They weren't going, what is wrong with you women? No, they simply basically said, come on ladies, think about this. 
What are you doing here looking for the living at the graveside? <laughs> looking for the living in the cemetery. I mean, the, these angels asked a great probing question. And it's just as probing today as it was then, both for unbelievers and believers. Unbelievers are always looking, seeking the living among the dead. For example, they look for wisdom and guidance from men who are dead rather than turning to the living Lord. What did Confucius say? What, what, what did Muhammad say? All the world's religions and philosophies are to attempt to find life from the dead. I think even as believers, we can also seek the living Lord among the dead in various ways. We can be caught up in religion. We can be caught up in, in traditions instead of enjoying that personal relationship with the risen Lord. We invent traditions and rituals that really are just dead practices. Folks, the reality is we preach the gospel of the living Christ who sits exalted at the Father's right hand and is living to save all who put their faith and trust in Him. And His heart is to have have a relationship with you this morning. So in verse 6, we read the angel's glorious announcement. It says, He is not here, but is risen. Remember how He spoke to you when He was still in Galilee. I mean, here the angels are saying, Come on now, think. Think, think. They're reminding the ladies of what Jesus said he would do. And then the angels actually quote Jesus' words in verse 7. For the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. But you see, they had forgotten those clear and simple words and needed to be reminded. There are very, very sorts of reasons why we forget or seem to ignore the clear and simple words of God. Usually it's sin or it's selfishness, but it can also be during times of suffering and trials and, and stress or just a plain busyness, and we fail to remember the promises of God's Word. But the good news is, and this is our second point, first we needed to be reminded in order to point number two, remember, look at verse 8. And they remembered His words. What a great verse. They were reminded, and then they remembered how we, too, must constantly be reminded to remember God's Word. I, I know I do this. Maybe you do this as well. You're going through a difficult time, a, a, you know, a trial, and you start to look down at your situation, and you're looking at your, your circumstances, and you start to get discouraged and bummed out. But then someone comes along that the Lord uses to, to remind you of the promises of God. They may say, hey, brother, remember Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, yeah, that's right, I remember. Hey, sister, remember Hebrews 13.5, that God said he would never leave us or forsake us. Oh, thank you, I needed to hear that. You know, what was I thinking? I remember God's word. And we should be reminding each other daily about what God's word says. We should talk about it and read it and share it. And most of all, obey it and remind each other what we need to hear. Especially this message this morning, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Because there are times that you may be feeling hopeless or discouraged or overwhelmed. It's because you've forgotten the power of his resurrection that's available to us. Simply put, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you to enable you to live each day for the Lord. Same power that raised Jesus from the dead is also available to raise you from being dead to your, for, in your sins. This brings us to point number three. Rejoice. You see, the ladies literally couldn't wait to get back to tell the boys, the apostles, who were still hiding out what had happened. Look at verse 9. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, 
and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Now I want to say something briefly about Mary Magdalene. Prior to be forgiven by Christ, we know that she was a very sinful woman. The Bible specifically tells us that she was possessed by demons, so she would have been uh, an evil and very tormented person. In the Bible, when you read about people who are under the control of demons, we know that sometimes they would cut themselves. Uh, we have an occasion where someone demon-possessed actually threw themselves into a fire. On another occasion, someone possessed by demons was, was attacking others. And it's worth noting that Scripture doesn't say Mary was possessed by a demon, but that she was possessed by seven demons. I mean, this girl was in bad shape. Now, by the way, understand the devil is real. Demon possession is still real, and there's nothing a non-believer can do to keep the devil away. You say, but I have a crucifix, you know. <laughs> think Satan's afraid of a crucifix? I don't think so. <laughs> that's what, that doesn't work. I'll pull out my holy water. Yeah, that, that'll work. You know, that'll take care of it. No, that doesn't work. He doesn't care about that. I have a silver bullet. Well, that might work for her. A werewolf, but not the devil. I'm just going to wear garlic around my neck. That will keep your friends away, but it's not going to keep the devil away. The only power that the devil has, uh, the devil respects rather, is, is the power of Jesus Christ. Only Christ can secure your life and keep you free from the possession of demons. Here Mary had been delivered by Jesus, and as a result there was a great gratitude. There was a great rejoicing on her part. As Jesus said, to whom much is forgiven, that one loves more. From that point on, whenever you read uh, a list of the female followers of Christ, Mary is always number one on the list. Even in verse 10 in our text, it was Mary Magdalene. That's because Jesus had no more faithful a follower among women than Mary. No one loved him more deeply. No one watched him more closely. No one gave him, gave him more freely. So imagine her personal pain and anguish as she saw Jesus the one she loved who had delivered her being scourged and then taken to a cross and then crucified and dying before her very eyes. And why that took place, the men, the other apostles, they were hiding with the exception of John. Matthew's gospel tells us a number of women were present but watching from a distance. But then another gospel tells us Mary stood right there by the cross. While others were at a distance, Mary was up close and personal. She could see Jesus. She could hear Jesus. Jesus could see her. She stood right there. She didn't care what happened to her. She didn't care about what others thought about her. All she cared about was being close to Jesus. Why did she want to be close to Jesus? Because Mary had discovered that nothing mattered in life other than Jesus. She had the money. She had the pleasures of this world. She had the demons that went along with it. I should say the demons had her. She didn't want to go back to those things. Let me ask you, have you gotten to that point in your life yet where you've tried all that this world has to offer, yet you find that it hasn't made you happy, and you find yourself unfulfilled and empty and your life seems pointless? Have you figured out that the world has nothing to offer you? Have you figured out that Jesus Christ is everything we need in this life? Mary did. Again, verse 10, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other woman with them who told these things to the apostles who said, Jesus is not here, he is risen. Now I can understand these ladies' excitement. I mean, do you remember when you first got saved? You had to tell somebody. I mean, you were born again. Jesus is alive. I mean, and you were alive for the very first time in your life. You were excited. Maybe you 
uh, like these ladies, didn't get the reaction you thought you would when you shared the, what God has done in your life. You see, these apostles, these men who had been most with Jesus, they were huge skeptics. Look what Luke said about their reaction to what the ladies said. Look at verse 11. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. That word idle tales can be translated nonsense. Made no sense to them that Jesus was alive. Non-believers still think the resurrection of Jesus is nonsense. And, and as I pointed out earlier, they have their theories about what happened to the body, yet, yet none of their theories make any sense. I mean, in fact, their theories are harder to believe than the actual resurrection. But here in verse 11, as the apostles hear the words of these ladies and these mighty men of God, these men who walk daily with Jesus, heard the Lord tell them over and over and over again that he would rise from the dead... And here they're thinking, oh, you women, you're so emotional. You're just so upset. You're just imagining things. It's nonsense. On a side note, husbands, sometimes our wives do see things more clearly than we do, and we really should listen to them. First service, I had a big applause at that point, and everybody clapped. All the ladies clapped and said, that's right, preach it. (laughs) Well, here we see that at least Peter and John listened. Because we know from the other Gospels that John and Peter had a foot race to the tomb and John 1. Look at verse 12. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb and stooping down he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. Now Peter's problem was he was stooping down when he should have been looking up. John tells us, speaking of himself in John 20 verse 8, then the other disciple who came to the tomb first one and also, and he saw and believed. See, Peter was marveling when he should have been like John believing. Peter should have been filled with hope. Instead, he left wondering, what's going on? Because the Bible tells us as Christians, we have hope. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, then we must believe he has the very same power to raise us from the dead. That's the hope that we have. Here's an acronym for you to help you remember what the word hope means. It stands for holding on with patient expectation. Do you have that hope today? Maybe some of you are just holding on. But you need to hold on with patient expectation. Put your hope in God. I mean, look at our world right now. So many things going on that could discourage us, that can cause you to feel helpless and hopeless. In fact, Jesus even said in the last days in Luke 21, 26, People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. As you look at these things happening around us, what should you do? Jesus says, when you see these things begin to happen, what? Look up, for our redemption draws near. Don't look down wondering you know, what's going on like Peter did. Look up and realize Jesus is coming soon. And remember the words of the angels as the disciples saw Jesus ascend into heaven. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Folks, don't just look down at the problems in our world. Look up because these things mean that Christ is coming back soon. Again, Peter looked into the tomb and marveled to himself as to what happened. John looked and John believed. We also know that early in the morning, Mary had her encounter with the risen Jesus outside the tomb, thinking he was the gardener, 
But then Jesus revealed himself to her and she believed. In fact, she hugged Jesus so tight, Jesus had to say, Mary, let go of me. I, I got a work to do here. What's your reaction to the risen Lord this morning? Listen, when Jesus did rise, they were reminded, they remembered his word, and they rejoiced, and they went forward in the power of the resurrection. See, Easter reminds us that God loves ordinary and especially flawed people. And they didn't come any more ordinary than Mary or flawed than than Peter. Again, Mary, once a wicked woman, now transformed. Peter, who denied the Lord three times, was restored and transformed. They, They were both appointed to be his messengers and representatives. Folks, this gives all of us hope, you know, to those who were the, you know, those of us that were the last ones picked on the team. You know, okay, we'll take Humphrey. All right, no one else. Gives us hope to those who, who didn't achieve, the ones who didn't stand out in the crowd. God can do extraordinary things through the lives of ordinary people. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead was like the lifting of a cloud that caused a group of discouraged and downhearted men and women to become zealous missionaries who turned their world upside down. Every one of the followers of Jesus died the death of a martyr with the exception of the Apostle John. Church history and tradition tells us that Luke, the author of this gospel, suffered martyrdom by being hung on, uh, uh, on an olive tree in Greece. Matthew suffered martyrdom by being thrust through with a sword in distant Ethiopia. Apostle Mark died in Alexandria after being drugged through the streets of the city. John, uh, the apostle, was put into a cauldron of boiling oil, but mysteriously it would not boil. He was then banished to the island of Patmos. They never thought that they would ever hear from him again. And that's where God gave to John the book of Revelation. We're talking about having the last word. He, he got it. Apostle Peter, who denied his Lord three times, was crucified upside down. James the Greater was beheaded in Jerusalem. James the Less was stoned from a high place from the temple and then beaten to death with a club. Bartholomew was flayed alive. Andrew was bound to a cross where he preached to his persecutors until he died. Thomas, doubting Thomas, was run through the body with a lance in the East Indies, and Jude was shot to death with arrows. They went to the grave proclaiming that the Lord was risen. Why? Because they knew that he was, and they could not deny the fact that it transformed their lives. There's a Charlie Brown comic strip that shows Linus and Lucy in a room together, Lucy's looking out the window, and it's just raining, you know, cats and dogs. She turns to Linus and says, you know what? It seems to me that it just might keep raining, and the whole earth may flood, and we will all die. Well, Linus said, Lucy, that's not possible, because the scripture clearly teaches that the flood came one time, and it will not come again, and God has given us a rainbow as an indication to remind us of of that fact. Lucy said, well, I feel a whole lot better. Linus responded by saying, well, sound theology will do that for you. This is sound theology. Jesus rose from the dead. Not some fact that's optional to believe. Not some negotiable thing. Not some peripheral issue. This is a foundational truth. And because of that, I know I'm going to live again. Because of that, Jesus will help me to live this life on this earth and give life to my body when I leave this earth. Something I needed to be reminded of. Something I needed to remember. Something we need to rejoice in. Maybe you've come in this morning with a weakened faith. Life has not gone as you hoped it would. Perhaps your marriage is is collapsed and your faith and hope have suffered. Maybe you feel as though God has let you down. You need to know that Jesus is here today calling you by name to tell you the good news. He's alive 
He's on his throne and that he's a plan and he has a purpose for your life. Cry out to him and he will hear you. He will heal the brokenhearted. He will set those that are taken captive free. Jesus says, those that seek me will find me. The resurrection shows us that God blesses those who seek him with all of their heart. The resurrection helps us to know that God will, will more than meet us halfway. I'm going to have the worship team come up right now and prepare to, to do a closing song. But I want to close with this story. I've always liked the illustration that is given about a man who is stuck in quicksand and he's going down, 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 and he's about to die. And he looks up and he sees Confucius walking by. Well, Confucius looks at the man and says to the man slowly sinking in the quicksand, Confucius say, man ought to avoid quicksand at all costs. And Confucius goes, Confucius goes his way. The guy heard those words, said, that's true what he said, but that doesn't really help me in my present difficulty. I'm still sinking. Well, then as Confucius leaves, Buddha comes by. And Buddha looks at him, at the man who's sinking slowly but surely in the quicksand. And Buddha says, whether this be good or bad, one cannot say, for bad is good and good is bad, yin yang, and he went on his way. And the guy said, well, that, that, some of that might be true, the yin and the yang and the, all the Zen thoughts that Buddha came up with that are passed around in our culture today, but I'm still sinking. I'm still going down, down, down in this quicksand. Well, then Muhammad came by. Alas, Muhammad said, as Allah can see, this is the will of God. And he walked away and said, in Islam, that's the way it's got to be. Well, then Krishna, the Hindu God, walks by. Krishna says, as he looks at the man seeking down in the quicksand before his very eyes, Krishna says, Mm, sorry about that. Better luck next life. You see, reincarnation was the message of, of Hinduism. But that didn't help that man on that day. Then Jesus comes by. And Jesus walks by and he sees the man, the, the dilemma he's in, and Jesus reaches out his hand, grabs the man's hands and pulls him out of the quicksand, puts him on solid ground and saves him. Listen, that's what Jesus does. He saves and he's alive, amen. He's alive and he saves. And if, and if you're in a pit this morning, he wants to do the same thing for you. He wants to rescue you from that pit. He wants to forgive you of your sin. He wants to fill that void in your life. He wants to take your guilt away. He wants to give you the assurance that you will go to heaven when you die. In fact, Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And then he asked the question, do you believe this? And that's the question I want to close with this morning. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and on the third day he rose again from the grave? Have you surrendered your heart and life to Jesus Christ? If not, what a better day than today to do so. You know, maybe as a, a child in Sunday school, you heard the gospel preached to you that Jesus died on the cross for you and, and three days later he rose from the dead and because of that you, you can be forgiven and spend eternity in heaven. Maybe your Sunday school teacher you know, freaked you out a bit by terrorizing you with the threat of hell and you prayed a prayer when you were eight years old and, and because of that prayer, maybe you think you have some sort of fire insurance that, that you say, but you never really you know, lived a day in your life for Jesus Christ. Never really tried getting to know him. Let me remind you, yes, hell is real, but so is heaven. And remember, Jesus died for you to forgive you of your sin and that he rose from the dead to give you eternal life. But you must put your faith and trust in him. Let me also remind you that Jesus said there will be those who will stand before him in eternity only to hear the words, depart from me, I never knew you. 
Listen, knowing Jesus is more than just saying a prayer for fire insurance when you're eight years old. Knowing Jesus is completely surrendering your heart and life to His will for your life. It's turning away from your sin, repenting of it, never wanting to go back there again. It means being a man or a woman of the Word of God, reading and praying and living to know Jesus better. So that when we do enter into eternity, instead of hearing, depart from me, I never knew you, you'll hear, well done, a good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. That's worth rejoicing about. Finally, as we close, if, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to give you that opportunity this Easter Sunday morning to have your sin forgiven, to be born again today, and to know if you were to die, you were to go to heaven. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your great grace in our lives, Lord. Thank you for the fact that your word gives to us what you've done for us, sending your Son to die upon the cross so that we can be forgiven. For you so loved the world, your word said, that you gave your only begotten Son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's a promise that you give in your word. And Father, I pray right now, if there's anyone here that has never surrendered their heart and life to you, they're not born again this morning, would you speak to their heart? Tell them, show them how they need to get right with you. Give them the faith to make that commitment to you this morning. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, is there anyone here you want to give your life to Jesus Christ this morning? You want to be born again today? You want to know if you were to die today, that you'd go to heaven? If that's your desire, you want to know Christ, just raise your hand so I can pray for you this morning. Anybody at all? Just between you and the Lord. I want to make sure that, that no one gets left out. That to hear the gospel message, Jesus came, died for you, rose again from the grave to cleanse you of all your sin. If you're not experienced in salvation, just raise your hand so I can pray for you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the promises that we can hold on to, Lord. Even in these days of uncertainty, your word is certain. Lord, we know you are coming back soon. Lord, help us to live for you each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and we'll do one last song together.